here we are. It's another one. Another one. I'm so excited. So it's almost Christmas. It is uh, series two, episode two, two of two, and uh, not not two of two, is it? It's two of 12. I could start that again. I can't be bothered. So it's December. Merry Christmas, everybody, or happy Christmas. Now, December is a time for that bearded, big, jolly man to visit, and I have him here on this month's podcast. (laughs) Michael Perry, happy Christmas. So you do rehearse things. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a little pointed so early on. <laughs> oh, I need to get my um, silver spray paint out to do the Santa job this Christmas. <laughs> I am a little jealous. Have you got the? This, we're going to jump straight in there with both both boots, I suppose. If you haven't got the silver spray paint out, have you got the brown fa- uh, spray paint out? Because you are brown? not at all. Well, well, spray brown. <laughs> well, you're not at all grey, are you? Oh, I see. No. I- there's a little corner on here that occasionally comes out with a few gr- and, and you've got the same. Oh, I like have that. no, I'm proper silver fox. It's terrible. It's like oh, the, oh, it's but terrible. it looks more prominent, this little patch yes. in the corner. Yeah, I've got one of those. Strange. I have that too. My yeah. partner has it as well. I don't know if that's just a oh. what is that about? It's like I, this grey hole. <laughs> yeah, that is true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And on the same space, you're pointing to the same place of your face yeah, as exactly. well. Just here. How weird. But do you know what? I'm I I don't like this kind of in-between kind of moment. Like, yeah. I would like to just go grey really nicely or peppery and not have little kind of islands of grey here and there. <laughs> I just want to islands get it done, grey. you know, because, you know, we're going to look cute. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that. It's like when you get your hair cut and you go from short to long and you've yeah. got that halfway house where you look like a Lego man. You just look like your hair is just stuck on. And it's uh, sort of not shaped around. I've just noticed. Where's your moustache? Oh, it is here. Uh, just not done today because I'm not. Oh. I'm not on anything or doing anything visually, and I didn't think oh, you were worth that's the just effort. Hangy down bits, isn't it? Again. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, in a good way. Like I've never got the patience to to train mine because oh. um, when it gets long, it kind of then like is in your mouth. How do you stop it getting in your mouth? Oh, no. Oh, no. We're not Dick Strawbridge. Come on, Michael Perry. Um, it's, it, it's pleaching. It's basic pleaching. Come on now. So uh, you smile a little bit, which, of course, uh, yeah. withdraws and retracts your lip line so that the moustache yeah. hangs down. You trim across that line so that it doesn't go onto your lips. Yeah. And then this bit is just the bit that you uh, glue or wax out. And I keep Ooh. it short. I had a professor who had such a long moustache that from behind him, you could see the tips and they sort of bounced when he walked. It was like this really big, long... But when he didn't do it, it looked like a walrus. (laughs) Well, can I just thank you for inviting me onto your Beard and Moustache podcast? (laughs) (laughs) People will be listening to this thinking, let me just double check I pressed play on the right one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, Michael Perry, you are the Father Christmas of um, the, well, I don't know, maybe you're not. Do you know what? So I spoke to Frances Topville last um, month. Have you met her before? Have you worked with her at all? Oh, I think only briefly, perhaps. She doesn't do much social media, so I've never had a chance to stalk her, for real. Because we should talk about that, because you are like the social media queen of gardening, aren't you? Um, you King? Oh, King, sorry. You are there all the time. (laughs) He protests. (laughs) um you're you're everywhere uh but we'll talk about that in a second um uh yeah so last month so when i was speaking to francis i said Mm -hmm. what's the what's the skinny on alan titchmarsh like where does he sit in the hierarchy of gardening oh you're racy and we (laughs) and uh we had to 
Uh, is this going to get much more flirtatious? Because I won't be able to cope with an hour of this. I mean, <laughs> darling, that wasn't flirting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you tease. Right. So come on now. Um, so, so I said, is he like the Jesus of gardening? Is he like the Father Christmas of gardening? Because he's all cuddly, or is he the I forget the other version of whatever. Okay. And I put a poll out on Twitter. And actually, everybody decided that he was a Father Christmas of gardening. So that means... Ah, but it's because it's December. You ask him in February, there'll be a different answer. Oh, okay, yeah. He'd be the Cupid of gardening (laughs) in February. (laughs) Well, anyway, for us, for Roots, Rings and other things, you, Michael Perry, are our Father Christmas of gardening. Thanks for joining me on this. Excellent. But uh, I am because everything's dark. I'm like the opposite. So it's like, what's the opposite of an albino? I'm that. Uh, not albino. I don't know. A leopard, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Gorilla. Uh, you look like the the anti Christmas, all dressed in black with your anti Christmas. Yes, I would happily be the anti Christmas because I'm I'm not the biggest Christmas fan. But what you might want a whole chapter on that later. No, well, I was going to actually broach that because I mean I can't talk because I don't have any decorations mm. in my office. But it doesn't look like the most festive of places that you're sat there, Michael. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a banana plant. <laughs> yeah. Why is that festive? A banana oh, plant. Do you know what though? <laughs> for, for me, Christmas is it's okay, but it just kind of gets in the way. Well, I'm sorry that you don't like Christmas. It's um I mean, I suppose there's lots of people that don't like Christmas, but I mean, is there a background story? Because we should probably introduce you uh and uh, to those people that aren't aware of yes, you. introduce me before I moan about Christmas. That was <laughs> So they know who to unfollow. Well, maybe it should be more, uh, like anonymously, like an amnesty box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you put in, it's like a room one hundred and one for festive period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I think I don't think I'm that guy. Like I don't want to be the Jeremy Paxman of gardening podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to push the envelope. I just want people to love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. Um, yes. What, what do you want? What? What do you want? <laughs> and get to the point quickly. So, so, uh, so, what's your what? In a kind of nutshell, if people haven't heard of Michael Perry, good lord knows why. Uh, perhaps they don't frequent Instagram every thirteen seconds. But if they haven't heard of you, where, where, where did you come from, Michael? What's your kind of? How did you get into this kind of crazy world of <coughs> plants and and weird plants as well? Because that's your yeah. thing, isn't it? And I want to come to that. Oh, definitely. Well, I was. Um... I'll try and tell you the more short version. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was gardening a lot with my grandparents. Obviously, I got a real taste for that. They were growing chrysanthemums, dahlias. Uh, they were selling at the local WI market. They were judges at flower shows. They were really into it. Sure. And when you're a kid, you spend a lot of time with your grandparents. So yep. naturally, I picked up on this. I do wonder sometimes, I wonder if they were interested in something else, would that be my career now? I don't know. You could have been a Werther's original specialist or a a tobacconist (laughs) or something. Something else I'd be good at, though. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, just growing up with them, kind of obviously taking over my parents' garden. Um, I was, I make it sound really impressive when I say it, but I was running a mail order herb nursery when I was 12 years old. (laughs) Amazing. It was a very cute enterprise. Um, For some reason, I bought a photocopier. So I had like a little office set up. It was crazy. At 12 years old, you bought a photocopier. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) I was selling uh, plants uh, through a, miniature company called Springfield Herb Nursery 
selling through adverts at the back of Gardner's World magazine. Amazing. And I, I probably only had like 20 orders in the lifetime of that company. Sure. Commerce. <laughs> but yeah, it was really cool. And, and it kind of gave me that, that thirst for kind of loving plants, but also loving making a bit of money out of plants as well. Sure, sure. Kind of, yeah, a good way to kind of be aware of the commercial side of it all. Yeah. Um, obviously, in those days, it wasn't cool to be into plants or indeed anything different. So, you know, my 12-year-old self, if they saw how people love plants these days, they would be a mixed, <laughs> mixed bag of being amazed, <laughs> pleased, sure. annoyed, because like, yes. I told you so. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, so I was always keeping that secret from my friends. And we were busted when we were working on the school garden at high school, though, because this was <laughs> front of the school. So everyone could see what, what our interests were. Yeah. But of course, at the weekends, that was what I was up to. Uh, careers advisors in those days, is quite, it was quite offensive now. But if they weren't sure where to place you, they'd usually place you in horticultural college. Oh, Which really? Weird. And yeah, it was almost like the lowest rung of the ladder. Yeah, like the outlaws. It's awful. It's so offensive. And sure. And I guess because I showed this slight interest in plants, I was kind of then suggested to go to Horticultural College, um, which kind of suited me. It was quite a base, well, not a basic course, but it was a very varied course. So it wasn't pure plants. Sure. It was sports turf, driving tractors, a lot of stuff right. that I was shit at. Right. But also the plants, which I was good at. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and just a two-year college course where I learned this and that. But most of what I've learned has been from my grandparents and, you know, from doing, really. Sure, sure. And then uh, when I was 18, I, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I knew I didn't really want to go to university because I was quite shy and mousy in sure. those days. And, yeah, I kind of just fell into... What did I fall into? No, I didn't fall into. That's wrong. Um, I saw an advert in the local newspaper. Not an advert, a competition to design a garden at Thompson & Morgan, which was in conjunction with BBC Radio Suffolk. And I put a design together and I actually filled the garden with Suffolk-raised plants. Oh, cute. So I kind of had the marketing angle there. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> How old are you at I'm, this point? Oh, 18. Okay. All right. End of college. Uh, and so I entered the competition. No surprise to me, I won. <laughs> but no, I think they really saw the kind of marketing initiative behind it because obviously Thompson & Morgan, a big marketing company, and sure. I kind of come in with this design and done something that's pretty cool. Um, and they didn't offer me a job on the back of that, but afterwards, afterwards, I wrote in and kind of asked, you know, do you have any jobs or roles? Because... In those days, obviously, everything was a written letter or a sure. typed letter. It'd be great if I still had a copy of that letter, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and I was taken on as a kind of apprentice of sorts, working with the horticultural manager, looking for new varieties and writing seed packet copy and looking, you know, across huh. the whole range and then started putting together catalogues and new products. And it kind huh. of really built from there in many different directions over an 18-year period. At sure. Morgan. So, yeah, that's in a, in a Brazil nutshell for you there. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Do Brazil nuts have shells? Oh, they must do it in nut, right? Yeah, they do. do Come they? on, it's Christmas. You know, or you should recognise any nut in a shell at Christmas. Dude, <laughs> the only shell I know that Brazil nuts have is a chocolate shell, right? That is a, <laughs> True. That's, that's the only shell I've ever seen a Brazil nut in. But I guess it's a nut, so it must do. So, and then full circle then. So now you've got this... I mean, would you say you were kind of... I mean, I identify you as the the sort of social media, I don't want to use the term influencer because it's a bit yeah. twee. Yeah, why is that derogatory? It's crazy, isn't it? It's not, you know, I don't know. It's just a bit twee, I think, isn't it? It's become a bit yeah. of the, you've got this kind of, I guess it's the the, the influencer community mm. is a bit shallow, isn't it? Like it started off strategic, yeah. I guess, and now it's sort of, it lacks substance and and worth for a lot of influences. Yeah. I'm sure there are some great influences. Don't get me wrong. And, and and you know, by proxy and by definition, I suppose you are an influencer. Yeah, um, I think niche influencer is perhaps a nicer phrase for the yeah, more special yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. Otherwise, you just end up advertising teeth whitening. Exactly that, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so so I think that's sort of how I identify you in terms of being very active and colourful mm. on social media, encouraging all sorts of... Because you have a really diverse sort of interest yeah. in, in plants, right? Because they're not... I mean, you're a big houseplant guy, but you're also... It's outside plants as well, right? But it's not like it's one or the other. It's just this big kind of plant smorgasbord. So, yeah. How would you sort of place yourself yeah i mean i guess i'm interested in culture and plants as a whole and i want to inspire other people to get excited too i'm obviously with my marketing background i'm always interested in new plants new products new ways to use plants we already know and so a lot of that kind of comes together with what i do across social media and various kind of content creation work as it were sure social media is it's strange because People are always, they're like, oh, it must take you so much work. La, 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 la. But it really just becomes a habit. You know, social media, almost primarily, which doesn't sound that friendly to the followers, but social media is, is as much for the followers and me to inspire them as it is a shop window for sure. me to show the type of work that I can do or to get people mm -hmm. to engage with, you know, the work that I do on TV or kind of different content etc and it's the kind of really visual cv for people sure, sure so i very much show what i'm up to and inspire things it's very topical it's very kind of up to date as well so i won't be you know kind of showing stuff that happened in the past it's kind of very much what's happening for me in my job which is then you know so varied from filming to content to tv and yeah. just inspiring people with that bringing them on the journey and yeah it just it just becomes a habit though. It's really anything I do, just I then put there. But but do you know what? It's strange because I don't do as much as I feel I should do. You know, <laughs> I feel like I should be doing more kind of video when I'm somewhere or kind of, you know, showing more how-tos and stuff like that. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not really. There's a lot of things I would like to do that I don't. And I wouldn't say that I haven't got time for it necessarily. It's just sometimes you're too busy doing something to stop and think about how you'd film doing it. I mean, that's a really interesting point because I find that when I'm doing anything to do with nature is that mm. afterwards I think, oh, I probably should have taken a photo of that or I yeah. probably should have recorded that. But you, but there's something, 
instinctive about working with plants mm. and particularly in the garden or just being outside actually mm. that just captures your attention it sort of it's almost like it sucks you in really quickly yeah, it draws yeah. you into this little yeah yeah definitely and which is and so powerful isn't it yeah well yeah and it's quite hard to kind of show something step by step as well and and you know you should see me when I pot up containers. I'm so messy. <laughs> no one, I don't think anyone would really want to see that or respect that <laughs> on social media. It's like how not to plant a container, and, and you know I'll be, you know, our, the bits will break off. And of yeah. course we know that that's absolutely fine. You know that's actually helpful pruning. <laughs> sure. But kind of beginners, like I feel like they need to me see more polished versions of horticulture. Yeah. But then maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah, they do yeah. want to see real life and when things do screw up and the fact that i can't grow begonias you know it's yeah i don't know oh Maybe. begonias oh man those are like the they're like the the flaky plant category aren't they just you, oh, you, no. say, you have to look at a begonia and it snaps off and you're like oh why can't you just be a little more rugged and uh, their house plant ones are just oh i don't know if they want to be wet or dry or not and <laughs> <laughs> so listen talking of houseplants you have just moved house mm-hmm. um so in an entirely <laughs> coincidental um chronological order of recording mm-hmm. so has francis uh, so francis in the middle of moving out I spoke to her last month it was hell different uh house though, right different what sorry different house well i don't know she's not moved in yet <laughs> i mean you should probably check that. I don't yeah. know. If you get a knock and there's a big lorry that turns up outside, then no, not a different yeah, house. We're in. Uh, <laughs> hey, Rumi, uh, she's got a dog. Are you allergic to dogs? No, no. Good. It's just far well. preferable to cats. How was moving? How was it? Oh, fine. But do you know what? Um, oh, really? I know, like, I need to kind of almost cover some of the career here because I left Thompson and Morgan at um, probably about four, maybe five years ago now uh, to move freelance and to kind of have a mixed portfolio of work. And at the same time, I'd, I'd met my partner the year before, and he was in Amsterdam at that point. And kind of it almost dovetailed that when I left Thompson & Morgan, I think, I think the way he lived his life and moved to lots of different places kind of inspired me to realise that I can do that too. And I'd perhaps yeah. been a bit shy to do that over my 18 years at Thompson & Morgan because, I'd, like I said to you, I'd get, gained confidence there. I'd really changed as a person. So I was then in this protected environment and wanted to do more but was kind of not quite ready and kind Mm. of you know I was traveling a lot with my job at Thompson Morgan anyway but I wanted to do something a bit more and spread my wings so he moved to New York but then it actually dovetailed really nicely with me getting some work with HSN in Florida the shopping channel so I was then out there for a couple of seasons and kind of back and forth to UK etc uh, then he'd been in China for a couple of years after that. So I've been back and forth there and I've done various work in China and Japan, etc. So it kind of, it had pulled me around the world for like the kind of three or four year period, which was quite, quite strange. And, and I'd sold my house back here in Suffolk when I moved to freelance. So I kind of liquidated all my stuff. Like <laughs> I'm not someone that's ever had expensive stuff. And I kind of like, you know, obviously got rid of sofa, sofa bed, kind of all I had left was like boxes of clothes and books in my parents' attic. So I really, I had nothing. Sure. And those four years, I was obviously staying at my partner's place or staying with friends when I was in UK. So I was, it's very much kind of transient life. 
um, earlier this year, we then we were staying various places together in the UK, and by March time, I was in Windsor in an apartment, an Airbnb. And of course, then when the lockdown starts, I'm I'm then in an Airbnb. I'm actually technically homeless. <laughs> and it's not a time when you could go and stay with any friends because that sure. would have been a bit weird. Um, so I had to keep extending the B&B. And of course, it was available because yeah, yeah. fresh to go there. And I got it at cost price. And it was a lovely place to stay for that period. And you've got a feeling that you're going to be like this for a little while. So I started to buy a few houseplants and soon had, oh, I don't know, almost like 30 houseplants in this Airbnb in Windsor. Um, and then it happened. My friends, one of the houses I used to kind of lodge casually in, they were trying to sell the house and they had two different buyers that fell through and they were having a house built. So they were kind of, you know, in a bit of trouble. And I obviously still had some money to invest from having the property years before. So it just kind of made sense. Wow. And I rang the estate agent and was like, oh, I want to buy, you know, so-and-so house. And they're like, do you want to look at it? I'm like, no, I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Casual. <laughs> and so that's what happened. And then I, I moved into it in June Obviously, I had nothing, so I've had to buy everything. So my neighbours must think I'm so luxurious buying from yeah. Amazon every day. But yeah. really, this is just the essentials that are coming in, you know, <laughs> cheese graters, cutlery sets, you know, all of that. So Cheese graters? How many cheese graters do you need? Why do you have multiple uh, cheese graters? Was that a Freudian no, one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just stuff like that, just various uh, sure. kind of household peripherals. No. Paraphernalia. Paraphernalia, it. yeah. You know, okay. I have to say, as a little segue, I realised yesterday on this voiceover work that I did, there are a few words in the English language that I've been pronouncing wrong for all my life. Oh, like what? Competitive. Competitive? Exactly. Yeah. Competitive is competitive. wrong. I know, but I've got the extra T in there, which is absurd. Oh, you've added in some more letters. Okay. Yeah. Competitive. Um, also, oh, yeah. in fact, infatuation. I say infatuation. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, <laughs> that's annoying. Avocado. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> but it's just... <laughs> oh my gosh! It's so shameful because I've been walking around saying avocado for years. <laughs> that's a little bit like when people say height instead of uh, height. Oh really? Who said? They're that? like, what's the width and the height? Mm. And then some people say, what's the width and the height? Oh, dear. That's odd, isn't it? But did you hear uh, Nigella's microwave pronunciation? No. <laughs> microwave. <laughs> microwave. That's very good. That reminds me a little bit of, who was that guy that did rotate discs? Um, the comedian that used to do, oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, he used to intentionally say words wrong and round the wrong way round, but he would tell whole stories or sentences with this kind of jumbled up language it created, which was just basically oh, swapping no bits of words around. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, I forget. I said a little bit Ronnie Barker, I suppose, as well, isn't it? Um, OK, so I'm a little jealous because you've just moved house and it was fine and it sounds like it's all worked out brilliantly and all been like this perfect little journey which is I know yeah probably not how most people live that don't get used to that like if you move again it probably will be hell <laughs> all right so the thing is I've I've moved here but it's not like it's kind of in the town it's not ideally where I want to be so I'm not intending to be here for a long time oh dear and my intention <laughs> is that I would then rent it out but of course me being me I couldn't resist 
you know, overhauling the garden, even though it was perfectly respectable before. Right. The first time I got my hands on a garden of my own for more than four years. Sure. Was it's pretty cool. You know? And so, so talk to us about that. So, so you've, you've, you've done, you've bought shed loads of houseplants, kind of given, right? I like that. As soon as someone's got lots of houseplants, I think, well, this is a person I'm going to get on well with, normal. Um, uh, but so you've got a garden outside space. Um, you say it was respectable. So it was already landscaped, was it? Already planted? Or, or... Yeah, I mean... Um, and you decided well, to rip all that up? Or it was what grass, which I find grass just a bit high maintenance and just... I, it's I a bit of waste be... as well, isn't it? Yeah, I'd rather be creative with plants yeah. than grass. So, yeah, so I kind of had a weird vision that I wanted to get rid of it. Um, I'd been eyeing up, um, you know, Letitia McClough? Yes. Uh, polished concrete yes. um, outdoor space. Yes. I'd been eyeing that up for years, and uh, I copied that idea and surrounded it with, like, billowing plants really that will then spill over onto the concrete nice. planting in the gullies lovely um what do you call it silver birch kind of yeah. big structural shrubs as well oh i just had a dream last night about a new plant for my garden isn't that strange what, have you made like, it up or or you want to is it, it's a plant that's real or yeah someone oh, right. was giving me a giant pittosporum oh how weird I was thinking about where to plant it and i'm just yeah, sorry, that just crossed my mind. So that's really weird because about three weeks ago, somebody gave me a pittosporum. Oh, gosh. How weird is that? I reckon they meant to give it to me. Quite possibly. It's the beard. Uh, anyway. <laughs> There's that guy with the dark beard with that grey patch. Is it Michael yeah, Perry? Exactly. <laughs> so that kind of happened. And yeah, it was perfectly respectable before, but I just wanted to have my style. Yeah. And i got a lovely fence that um, I worked on with Forest Garden, which is like a real grey-blue colour, which is that kind of modern, I don't yeah. even know what to call it, modern kind of double lap. Double lap. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that kind of look. And um, then a staggered thing where you've got like one panel on one side, one panel on yeah, this side. You can yeah. sort of see through it. Yeah, they're not as private as um, I imagine they would be, but we did rectify that in the end. Um, yeah, in the front garden, they'd... They'd kind of landscaped it. Well, not landscaped it. They put some gravel there and also a lawn. Uh-huh. They wanted to have a lawn. And, and I <laughs> come along and they, I just rip it all out and just do yeah. what I want to do. And it's like yeah. the neighbours must think it's crazy. They're like, oh, all that stuff that they did to the house. <laughs> I don't know. But you know, in the front garden, I just wanted it to be a dense carpet of plants. And, you know, almost like Pete Oldolf style, you know, that kind of prairie planting. Yeah, and, yeah. and who the hell wants to park a car out the front of a house? Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a driveway anyway. There was no need to have another space in front of the house. And sure. And visitors can find their own space, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Plants first, friends yeah, and family cool. second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of, uh, it's nice really. I've kind of, had to keep telling myself, oh, don't invest too much because when you're looking to rent out the property, but sometimes when it comes to gardens, you can't you can't resist. So no, I know. Yeah. And also what you have to remember, like I've done the same here, you know, I <clears throat> there's possibility that I might uh, sell here mm. um in the not too distant future. And I look at the vast space that I've planted here and I think, well, mm. I just think of it as a nursery. Because yeah. you can lift and take whatever you want, right? Or split yeah. and divide or, you know, so I've basically got, you know, if you're going to stay there, my dad always says stuff like that. He's a bit like Captain Sensible, you know, don't do it now. 
yeah because what happens if you move or don't don't go to all of that trouble of putting a patio there because somebody will buy that house and they might not want a patio and i'm like yeah. but i'm here now and i want a patio so. no i know yeah it's exactly i think that's a real parents thing to do isn't it really yeah, yeah. i just always want to do what i want to do really yeah I think that's a lovely freedom. Um, so, listen, every month we do, uh, I'm going to cut to this a bit sooner rather than uh, than later, we normally do. Um, uh, historically, we've done Book of the Month and Album of the Month. Uh, I would ask you to exercise control, please, Michael Perry, and not take a leaf out of Adam Frost's book and go crazy with multiple albums of the month. I don't want Hat of the Month. I don't want Scarf of the Month. I don't want Hunch of the Month. Um, so it's very simple, the instruction, right? Um, so I'm going to start with book of the month uh-huh. because I did album of the month last month. Uh, I haven't been reading for a long time. I'm a prolific reader. I must read. Um, I've normally got at least two books on the go at the same time. Right. Um, and I probably le- read at least two or three books a month. I love reading. Um, but I haven't been reading for quite a while. I've not been very well. And I've had other stuff that has kind of distracted me. So I just started getting back into it again. It's amazing. Forgot how much that, those little things that we enjoy are really important to keep in our life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Good so time. I've been reading Dear Life mm-hmm. by Rachel Clark. So any book by in the sort of medicine, social medicine context is always really interesting because I do miss my career in medicine. I'd never go back to it. And it's a very different uh, place to, to what I left. But um, I do like it when specialist doctors write about stuff. And there's some amazing books like Henry Marsh's books are like out of this world. Ooh. Henry Marsh. He was a <laughs> he was he was a neurosurgeon. Um, there's an amazing documentary about him as well, but that's for another time. Um, so yeah, dear life. So Rachel Clark was a junior doctor. She wrote a book um, about her life as a junior doctor, which was a bestseller apparently. I didn't. I haven't read that. Um, but dear life is about her transition into becoming a palliative care, like end of life doctor, mm-hmm. and uh, it is the most touching and heartfelt and amazing book that makes you feel incredible. But it does one really interesting thing, which has such a deep connection with gardening, is that it makes you think about death because we're kind of scared of death, right? We had this really strange thing. She picks up on this. I was aware of this before. And it's the first time I've ever heard anybody else talk about it. Mm-hmm. In the Victorian period, um, we had this real taboo about sex. You weren't to think about sex, you weren't to talk about sex. The idea of sex, other than anything of procreation, was, yeah. you know, the stuff of prostitutes. It was absolutely the lowest of the low. You should never th- think or talk about it. Um, certainly wasn't socially acceptable to be, you know, discussing it. But death, absolutely embraced. Right, plan for death, celebrate death, you know, huge, great big ceremonies about people that pass. And we've had this weird shift socially where sex is now everywhere. Like the, the porn industry is like one of the biggest, you know, uh, profitable industries like in the world up there with psychic industries and like uh, uh, blue chip tech. Yeah. And then, but death has become this now kind of taboo where we're frightened of it. We don't talk about it. Uh, the idea of our own mortality is something we seem to be shying away from. I used to do a thing where I would help people calculate how many more days on average they've got left to live. Oh, well, so, no, but he, that's the reaction a lot of people have. And they wince and they go, oh, I don't want to know that. And I think, but the point is, from the second you were born, your journey to death began. Yeah, we, are yeah, all, we are all going to die. Every day, you are closer to uh, dying. And so, it's so weird when you, when you get older and like, you know, like now when, when I actually took the new mortgage, it's kind of like, you, you know, I'm 40, 41, 41. 
And so then you're like, 25 years, that's way, that's like late 60s. Sure, hell? sure. It's weird because you always feel the same age in your head. You yeah, know? you do. And you know what? I've it's got a very good friend of mine who's 93, and yeah. he says exactly the same thing. Yeah. There's, you know, I'm in this body that's now beginning to really frustrate me because I can't bend down and get out of breath. My back aches, I can't walk. But in my head, I'm the 21-year-old boy or man yeah. that I so always weird. thought I was. Um, <laughs> But there's another interesting point to that is that the, the, the idea is not to be morbid. It's about saying you've got to embrace the life that you've yeah, got right, yeah, and, the, and what you do with it. And to push the envelope is to say, how many summers do you have left mm, on yeah. average from where you are? So what are you going to do with you? There's that wonderful quote. Yeah. I forget. Um, yeah, it's hang a motivator on. more than anything if you look at it. Yeah, Correctly. there's a Mary Oliver in the summer day said, tell me, what is what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Mm -hmm. um, and so I really love that idea that um, that for the first time ever in the context of this kind of specialty of dying, that, that this that Rachel Clark, this doctor, looks at the concept of what that means, because so many people don't plan for their final moments yeah, that it becomes yeah. this stressful thing. So coming full circle, bring it back to the point of us being in chatting here today, mm. is that of course, what you see all the time working with nature is that that continual cycle of life, right? It is around us all the time. And we see like, particularly now, you know, with things dying back, but we see that regeneration the following year, we yeah. see that kind of growth. So there's almost that, I wonder, I'm just putting it out there. And I don't think it's anything that we consciously think about, but of course, as we all know, we're influenced by the things we see all the time. I wonder if it slightly softens, or almost gives us a false hope, a subconscious hope, or softens the idea that our life is terminal because in many ways in nature, it's regenerated, isn't it? Yeah. You know, even when it looks like yeah. something's dead and gone, even yeah. like an oak tree, massive oak tree, hundreds of years old, falls to the floor, it spreads its fungi into the ground, and then, of course, it encourages the regeneration of new oak trees. I guess it doesn't come back itself. So a plant that sets seed is then, obviously, that's the same as having children, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's very yeah. true. Yeah. Of course, it's, it's not. not like it looks like the same thing, but it's not. comes back, is it? Yeah. But in terms of a garden, a garden would regenerate each year, but in a number of different ways. Yes. So is, and, yeah. and changes all the time, right? As yeah. Well. Yeah, definitely. So well, it's an I, incredible I, I, book. I would recommend it. It's very good. It's not morbid. It's 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 comforting. It's pensive. It's eye raising. And it had so many links, actually, to the natural world. Not that she knew that. She didn't write it with that intention. But I thought, gosh, that's a really interesting way of holding a mirror up to our own mortality, really. And yeah. just pushing yourself and saying, hey, you, you ignorant human being. What are you doing every day and what are you doing while you're here? Because the time's yeah, ticking. I guess what, what will hold people back is not enjoying change or yeah. having a fear of change as well. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a bit addicted to change. I really enjoy it. Like not big old upset the apple cart or, you know, just following instincts really. And sure. I like sure. things feel fresh and different all the time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's perhaps a bit unsustainable, but I'm certainly not scared of changing. Yeah, I don't think it's unsustainable. I would push yeah. back on that, I think. But interestingly, of course, if you've had, as you've discussed today, that a, a life that's been fairly nomadic without permanent roots anywhere. Yeah. Then change for you is easier. Right. You know, when you start yeah, to settle roots, it's much more difficult to change and adapt, I think. Stop change because sure. that's 
yeah, how it is. So, yeah, it got me very used to it. And it's good. It opens your mind up as well and makes you more flexible, too. Yeah. It's great. So, yeah. Which is great because you could go into gymnastics now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you really want to change. <laughs> um, so that is my book of the month. Um, so... Mr. Michael Perry, Father Christmas of the Plant World for December 2020. Um, what is, do you have an album of the month? I was really worried you would ask me my book of the month. <laughs> Why? Because my answer would be Banana Rama's memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. I wish I had have asked you now. <laughs> Um, uh, what did you ask me? Album? Yeah, yeah. could it be much more difficult, uh, much more different? Could it? I've just explained this incredibly what? powerful book, Dear Life, and then you come out with, oh, well, mine's the memoirs of Bananarama. But you know what? It was quite disappointing. Like, you, know, you want to <laughs> read a memoir and it's like about bananas. Well, you want to you want to be shocked, you know, sure. with memoir. But no, it was just a bit like. Oh, you know, when we were kids, we would go and buy lollies from the shop, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, <laughs> album, right, that was your question. Yeah. Uh, it's weird these days. You don't listen to music in the same way, so I tend to just pick up on individual songs. Yeah, I'm um, like that. Like through Spotify, those type of formats, you, yeah. you almost don't know who an artist even is sometimes. You just know sure. that you like a song yeah. and how it feels. Um, oh, let me look at my playlist. I'll be able to. But you're an album. You're of a generation where you remember albums, right? So how yeah, do you? Yeah. I mean, that I suppose is indicative of just what you were saying just now about the whole thing that you like change and you don't mind change because. Yeah, true. I mean, maybe the most recent music that I've enjoyed and listened to would be perhaps Rina Samoyama. You oh, know I don't know her. No, Rina yeah, Samoyama. Wow, it's very cool, and she's um. She's not necessarily mainstream, but I think she's on the verge of it, to be honest. What kind of music? How would you describe it? Could you sing us a song, Michael, from Rena something? <laughs> kind of like alternative pop, almost a bit like Grimes. Okay. All yeah. Right. So what sort of music do you like then? Oh, so eclectic, it's untrue. Yeah. I mean I mean really eclectic. Like I mean and again, I'm not a big album fan. Mm. I only really download albums. I'm a big fan of Bastille and Three days ago, I was hosting a conference and I introduced somebody who set up a, a, an amazing um, chap called Rafe Offer. Um, and uh, I spoke to him. What an incredible... He set up something called So Far, which originally was um, sounds from a room or something. Uh -huh. So the idea was he, um, he invited just a small amount of people, like 30 people, to listen to a gig in the living room. Uh -huh. um, and Bastille played in his living room before they were Bastille. Uh, well, they were Bastiles, just nobody knew who they were. And he said, yeah. and we, we all sat there and listened to them play Pompeii. And uh, he said, and everybody was singing along, even though they didn't know the words. He said, and yeah, we, yeah. afterwards, we all said, gosh, these guys are going to go far. Um, so, like, if I, if I find somebody I really like, I'll download an album of theirs. But unlike yeah, yours, yeah. I'll kind of songs. I mean, it goes from Bastille to Dolly Parton to um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Andrea exactly. Bocelli to, I mean, honestly, it's so eclectic. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, so want... not album of the month we're going for Rina Samayana is that her name? Awayama, yeah okay nice you now want food of the month 
I mean, seriously, what is it with you people? I mean, how difficult is this? Like, album of the month or book of the month, and everybody goes off the rails throwing in extra of the month. Oh, what, what's food know. of the month for Michael Perry? Ask me my food of the month, yeah. Oh, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's just a... I don't even know why I bother. I mean, why do I even... Okay, fine. Michael, what is your food of the month? Well, it's very interesting. <laughs> I'm pleased bread. you asked. <laughs> Lava bread. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I do. It's very old. Yeah. Uh, what? It's old. Have you only just discovered lava bread? Well, yeah. It's Welsh seaweed, yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's like a hundreds of years old recipe, lava yeah, bread. Yeah, no, I know. But I just... Um, no, not lava bread. No, no. It's not bread. It's not soda bread. You know that? Yeah. The, oh, hang on. We might be talking oh. about something else then. Oh, hang on. I'm going to Google yeah, it now. I think when you say lava bread, it almost seems like soda bread or something like that. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, no, lava. oh, lava bread is a food product made from an edible seaweed consumed mainly in Wales as part of local traditional cuisine. Oh, so it's just seaweed. Yeah, it's right. such fun. You get it in a little tin and it's kind of moist and flaky. And right. you can make um, like burgers with it, with oats. I don't you think also I've ever been so disappointed, I'll be honest. Bacon, um, um, mussels, seafood. It's a traditional breakfast in Wales. Oh, <laughs> so, it's, so why didn't they just call it seaweed rather than lava bread? I think the actual name is lava, and then it's bread once it's... Because uh, they uh, kind of make it into like a cake. Like a cake, yeah, that right. sort of thing. So, But it's really okay. fun, and obviously How very, did you very get into that? Food. I don't know. I've always just been attracted to unusual foods, and even before the internet. And, you know, I love to go along to the, you know, the Polish shop or the Chinese shop and just get... Sure. Just buy different things and try them. You know, I'm not scared to do that, and it's kind of just fun. I never want to eat the same thing all the time at all. You know, I find English food really dire, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's where your love for the exotics come from? Because, I mean, I'm looking at a an exotically tattooed man on my <laughs> Zoom call who's sort of half monotone and half colour. Um, you've got a kind of like black and white uh, sleeve on your left hand side. Then you've got a colour sleeve on your right hand side. Yeah. Uh, do, does that follow through all over your body, if you don't mind me asking? Um, <laughs> you told me off for flirting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, some things on my legs and torso, on my back is mangava. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Do you know, it's strange though. Someone asked me the other day, like, how many flowers do you have tattooed? But you get to the stage where it's more of a piece yes. than it is individual tattoos and flowers. But your um, thing is the unusual and the exotic. And dare I say it, the little bit cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful, because we've got older listeners that may have fragile cardiac instances, and we've also got younger listeners who are impressionable, Michael. And will be excited. So um, I want five of your <laughs> favourite rudest plants. Well, remember, first of all, it's not rude, it's botany. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we'll let our listeners decide for that. <laughs> I dreamt up this brand, Rude Botany, which was then celebrating, obviously, things that sounded rude, looked rude, smelt rude. And do you know what? I just did it because it gets people's interest and it's yeah. fun. And horticulture can be far too stiff anyway. Sure. Um, so, yeah, top five. Rubus Cockburnianus. <laughs> Stop. 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 <laughs> Stop yeah. now. Stop now. I'm going to have to do bleeps. Rubus cockburnianus. What Why? is that? It's a botanical name. Have, well, okay, for what? What is it for? 
it's like well rubus is obviously related to blackberry this is a lovely silver silver stemmed kind of bramble that grows upright and is perfect for winter color <laughs> okay yep next um maybe something that looks rude which would be naked man orchids i think we can all imagine what a naked man orchid looks I can like show you one on oh arm. gosh <laughs> um oh wow oh oh okay yeah it does oh now that's see all the parts look the arms the legs the, the thing the thing <laughs> i think after you've just done ruber's cockburn anus i think we can say penis um so so um uh that's interesting. If you haven't looked at the naked man orchid, go Google that. But it, I thought it was going to be a part of a, an, yeah, an anatomy, it's, but it's literally like a figure, isn't it? it looks yeah, like it's a man. Orchis italica, so it grows kind of on wasteland and farmland. Yeah, it's Amazing. really, really cool orchid. They're, the blooms are deceptively quite small and they're in big groups. So you have We've about, all been there, uh, though, haven't we? About 30 on each stem, so <laughs> sure. it's lovely fun. Uh, okay, not like it. Number three? Maybe something that behaves rudely. <laughs> uh, do you know Zostura, which is eelgrass, which is an underwater plant? No, I don't. Now I'm excited. Yeah, and it actually gets itself pollinated by creating a kind of slimy, pearly necklace, which it then snags around the male plants in order to then get pollinated. It is entirely pollinated by water and wave energy. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. It, uh, I mean, that that one's probably the most interesting so far because humans haven't named it and made it rude by proxy, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, but yes, humans came up with pearly necklace. So that's where it's rude. Well, we're gonna. I think this one might have to be explicit. Okay, so so two more, two more. Two I more. Think, uh, I wish you got to stuck with maybe three. Go on. Clitoria, Clitoria. You know this one. No, it's an amazing plant. It's it's almost like an annual wisteria because it has these tiny little, well, not that small, but kind of half inch across blooms that are kind of indigo blue. Absolutely gorgeous. Yes, they, I do obviously, know. they obviously look like a clitoris, but that yeah. aside, they're a very interesting plant because they you, you use it a lot for dye. So they use it in Thailand, not just to dye cloves and paper, but also to dye desserts. So you yep. can get blue rice dishes that are coloured with this clitoria. Yes. There's also a gin that you can buy. I think someone said it was an Aldi, which is made with the clitoria. And when you put the tonic in, it changes the whole drink from blue to pink. Huh. How cool. cool. Yeah. But also, it's a plant, you can grow it in the UK, but it flowers quite late in the season. So sure. you kind of... You know, it's one of those like late summer climbers like Cabea where you're kind of just yep. waiting for it to bloom all summer. Um, but it's really fun to grow. And it, it, it is kind of like a casual wisteria. The same colours, yeah. the same kind of binding effect. Obviously, it's an annual, so you're only going to get, you know, five or six feet in a year unless you grow it inside. But it's in the legume family, so it can fix mm. nitrogen into the soil. Good. As can a lot of those plants, such as uh, various lupins and green manure. Sure. But also lots of medicinal properties, you know, antidepressant, good memory enhancer. It's a really interesting plant and it looks like a root yes. plant. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just to reiterate. Yes, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is very cool. It's very unusual. So what got you yeah. interested in it? Oh, I it... haven't done number five oh, yet. Oh, God, I thought we were going to escape it. Go on then. <laughs> Come on, Number then. Five. You're like the little boy in you screaming to get out. Come on, one <laughs> last rude one. 
I want you to do Top of the Pops music when you put this out as well. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. So this... up two places to number one this week is Phallus Impudicus, which is oh. a common stink horn. Woman's yeah. stink horn. Stink horn. So this is a fungus and it has a putrid fragrance. Um, and it actually has developed this fragrance in order to not be pollinated, but so that flies will be attracted to the fungus and take away the spores on their legs. And that is how it then spreads. It's, um, I don't believe it's poisonous, but it's not necessarily palatable at the same time. Yes. Really, it's interesting. It's not endemic to any specific area. It can pop up, you know, in your compost heap or kind of, you know, anywhere across Europe, different climates. Yeah, it's really interesting, but it is terribly phallic. I'm going to need to lay down in a dark room, I think, now, Michael. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> wow i mean i i i hope my mother doesn't listen to this i should be I, I don't know what i mean can you imagine the conversation of a sunday dinner oh, i think that if there's like this uncomfortable silence i think oh no she's listened to it but isn't it strange like you said earlier oh there's there's no taboo around sex anymore but there still seems to be a taboo taboo around rude plants you know well maybe we should it? stop that then yeah and you know what you should do? I mean, you've just, you're probably a bit late now because you've just planted everything, but you could have just put all the rude ones in your front lawn so that people walk <laughs> in past it. <and> <gasps> oh, but you know, the rudest ones are often more exotic, harder to grow, you know. Sure, sure. Do you know Hooker's Lips? Yes, like, yes. Like Potria Alata, and that is, has got these beautiful big lips. But yeah, yeah many of those things you can't, can't really and, and are they quite difficult for you to track down? Are they, I mean, how, how, do you, how did you go about finding or trying to find rude plants? Because unless somebody else has categorised them as rude, you know, and you, I suppose with Google, it's a bit easier now, but, but how did your journey into rude and exotic and unusual plants come about? Because it's not just rude. We should point that out, right? It, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Is unusual <laughs> uh, too. I, I, will, I will segue away from rude in a moment. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I do my own segues. <laughs> um, what did you ask me? Rude, rude, rude. Um, I think it just got my attention. That's the thing. And and because it's taboo, it's nice to kind of then chat about it, get people shocked, get people's attention. And I've always been like my main mission in what I do is not to appeal to people that already love plants necessarily not to appeal to people that watch Gardener's World or any of those kind of very normal type shows, sure. but to appeal to different demographics from here and there. So if I'm appealing to someone that wants to cook with unusual vegetables or someone wants to grow a weird and wacky plant, you know, it's all of these different kind of subcategories that you can pull people in from and get them inspired to then start growing their own. And that is kind of what is always my focus. I'm not trying to do the same as what anybody else is doing. Sure. <laughs> what I mean. Sure. And yeah, so I just kind of always want to recruit people into something from different areas. And and obviously, here comes the segue. Weird and wacky plants is another big focus of mine, which is obviously encapsulating the rude plants, but also something more. So, you know, a lot of plants there are kind of, obviously a lot are known. You know, the biggest flower in the world is known, smallest flower in the world. But I've also kind of branded some stuff myself. So the unluckiest plant in the world, Fraseria speciosa, 20 years until it flowers. And then because it's monocarpic, it dies after it blooms. <laughs> so it's kind of all these different kind of twists and turns in the plant world and talking about sure. the stories behind how they're pollinated and the flying duck orchid, which looks like a flying duck, but it's actually attempting to look like a male sawfly. 
so that the female sawfly copulates with oh, the flower. Wow. Wow. Sogo copulates, which is when you pretend to do it. Sure. <laughs> We've all been there as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's that whole world of plants that are cool and different. And obviously, added to that, my career at Thompson & Morgan was all about new, different and unusual plants. Sure, sure. So introducing more than 500 plants, you know, interesting marketing angles, rebranding trailing petunias as climbing petunias, uh, developing things like the egg and chips plant, which is aubergines on the top, potatoes on the bottom. This, <laughs> these are things that get attention in a wider audience. So, you know, teenagers sure. are not interested in new geraniums, but they are interested in egg and chips plants that are, whoa, is that Frankenstein food? Or do you know sure. what I mean? It's, sure. it's trying to get people from diff- in different ways. You know, so, so it's not necessarily about being offensive or specifically no, rude. It's no, about so. saying, let's look at things that aren't being yeah. addressed for reasons that socially don't yeah. need to be ignored. Just stuff that excites me. Sure. You know, and, yeah, yes, I can imagine. I think some of those names would have excited some of our listeners as well. But <laughs> So listen, it's, it's, just, it's just memorable. Absolutely. It's December. I've got a couple of things, right? A couple of things I need to cover off before we wrap this up. Because um, I, I still want to ask you uh, another couple of questions. But... Um, I think we're going to produce, well, we, so I've designed it already. I'm going to produce a Roots, Wings and Other Things mug. Mm. And uh, so we've started, I've started this buy me a coffee thing, right? Because uh, we didn't want to do sponsorship for the podcast. So I said, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash roots. So coffee.com forward slash roots. And you can donate a pound or whatever you whatever you want to donate towards the podcast and 25 percent of that i'm going to give to a community gardening project so we can all kind of help the world go around a bit better um can it be any type of coffee no (laughs) yes as long as it's financial coffee that's it oh (laughs) ko hyphen no it's just a real coffee (laughs) no it's just that the website looks like coffee so the idea is for the cost of a coffee yeah, there are other coffees available uh, for the for the cost of a coffee. I was, I was playing dumb to give you an interesting punchline there. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. I've taken it. Um, so for the cost of a coffee, three pounds, for example, um, yeah. or you know, three pounds for a coffee. Well, I don't drink coffee, so how much is a coffee? I don't know. It must be about three pounds. Sure, if you have that zhuzhy thing in it, if they put a wand in it, yeah, you know, and give it a bit of yeah. fluff. Three pound including zhuzh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought, well, what if you'd like a bit of your own Roots Wings and other things memorabilia, a bit of merch, because, I, I, you know, to be honest, the Adam and Jez bra, brasserie, got mm. mixed reviews. The uh, the pants I came up with, I suspect were mocked a little bit by our listeners. I was actually serious. Was but... me the pants? You know I'd model them. Yes, you would. You'll model anything, you will. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some of those. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the less clothing involved in the thing, the better, I think. Right? Uh, so, <laughs> so I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to have a mug that you can have in your garden? And um, it's got some, you know, some some nice print and stuff on it. So if you'd be interested in a mug, yeah. if you think a mug, and again, I'll donate the money to a community gardening project. We'll do the same thing. This is another way of sort of sharing the love of the Roots, Wings and Other Things podcast, but mm-hmm. also spreading gardening. So if, you, if you'd if you like a mug, if you think, well, that sounds like a good idea, I don't know what they'll be, like a tenner or something, including postage, something like that, I don't know, um, then let me know on social media, at that Jez Rose, and um, we'll, we'll see if there's love for the mug. Yeah. Would you have I a mug? I the way you're making them, but maybe you can do the those like reusable coffee cups or something, maybe. Mm. That might be cool. Yeah, 
I looked at that. Yeah. Those, um, they're like that bamboo and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be nice. I liked that. Although, I'm in two minds, right? Because I'm a big tea drinker. Yeah. And there is nothing, Michael, like tea from a mug. And my mum actually goes one step further and she won't have a cup of tea unless it's in like a, a China mug. Ah, see, yeah, I, I see where you are with that. It is, I, I don't, I don't like standard mugs because they have a very uh, thick rim. Yeah, you know, and yep. that that means it's very clumsy to drink from, and you kind of get just kind of weird little clumsy sips of yep. tea. Yeah. Whereas when it is a china mug, it's a much more yep. narrow rim. Yeah. And is you get a much more yeah, and it's, the same applies to coffee as well. Oh, yeah. okay. That's it's amazing how that changes stuff, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And having worked in the NHS, I got very used to drinking hot drinks out of a plastic you yeah. know, flask or a rubbish polystyrene cup or something. And you sort of, it's just wet and warm. You know, that's yeah. sort of the only <laughs> definition, really. Um, so that's my mugs. Now, let's come back to the final bit as we wrap up today, Michael, because I'm super grateful for your time. Um, December, it is December. I am going to start referring to our listeners as nature rangers all right so mm -hmm. you are collectively nature rangers uh, thanks hmm? nangers <laughs> <laughs> it's, your brain is constantly on marketing hyperdrive isn't it you should, <laughs> no you need to put your branding in it you need to call them jeslets or something oh no do you think Sounds too close to Jezebel, actually, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I get called Jezebel a lot in sort of what people think is an endearing and cute way, but I can't help think it's incredibly infuriating. Um, but, but there you go. Uh, it's normally at the most inconvenient moment. Uh, so what is December for you, Michael? If What can us as nature rangers do? How do you connect with nature in December? Because it's a tricky month, December, isn't it, for weather? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really, oh, I'm very focused on trying to get some birds into my garden here. Because, you know, it is, it's kind of quite urban, so it's hard to kind of find those populations. But my neighbour apparently says she's always feeding the birds, but I think there's a problem there because she's feeding them and then they're not looking anywhere else. Yeah. So I need to kind of try and entice them away with up a the ante. buffet this side. So yeah. I've actually got some feeders that I'll set up perhaps later today, actually, uh, which uh, then, you know, with all these different... You know, fat ball section, you know, sure, sure. mealworms, etc. Because I really want to get the wildlife into this space. And just because just because it's got this kind of concrete centre doesn't mean that it can be devoid of wildlife, you yeah. know, because the borders will be billowing of plants, you know. Yeah, so I really want to make sure that I've got, you know, good bird feed there. Also, obviously, a water source as well. I, I yeah. believe the stand I'm putting up has got a kind of water tray in, so okay. I should be able to then account for that too. Well, that um, would be it. So just to pause uh, there a second, if if your neighbour doesn't have a bird bath, yeah, then the bird bath will draw them in and then they'll stay. Or, or what if you get little taxidermy birds and put like some of them out so it looks so they fly past and go, oh, look, there's a party, or oh, those birds are obviously yeah, enjoying that. But that might that. look like it's, oh, yeah, I guess it depends. If Lure it's not them in. part of their family, it might look like it's busy. I don't know. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of thought going need, into this. Yeah. <laughs> I think what I do need is a lot more plant cover. Obviously, you know, it's a new garden, so not everything is that tall or bushy. Sure. And especially this time of year, there isn't much cover because yeah. a lot of the kind of sh more shy birds want to have that kind of landing platform yeah. nearby before they then even start to browse the buffet. So. Yeah. Yeah, so just a few of those bits. So it might not be until spring that it really kicks off, but hopefully, 
if they do need some winter source of food, I will be providing that. So I love how much thought's gone into that. Most people just hang out their nuts. I mean, you've really, you've really sort of thought this through, haven't you? But it's also, um, it's a product that we're listing on QVC during December. So oh. story behind it too. <laughs> Let's not give other shopping channels are available. You just so the, into a big advert, Jez, sorry. <laughs> yes, you have, I know. So there's me, there's me trying to resist the, any of the sponsorship or commerciality. And then you've gone right in with your big muddy boots. Um, oh. But no, on a, on a serious angle, you know, obviously, you know, I stand up and talk about a lot of these products on TV. You know, I need to... I need to play with them myself and know that yeah. they work and that they're fit for purpose. So, yeah, sure. yeah, so it makes sense that we would sample these things. So December for you is about uh, looking after wildlife then. So you're there, sort of your focus in your garden is is thinking about what you can give to the birds. And, and what do birds need this time of year? Do you know anything about that or not? I guess fatty stuff, right? Because of the yeah. cold. Oh, fatty stuff as well, because they lose a lot of their um, body weight in, uh, what do you call it, heat regulation. Sure. But also, obviously, that water source as well. Berries, too, if you can plant any burying plants for ah, the birds. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but also, a lot that I've done um, in the garden this year is kind of thought about winter colour in containers as yep. well. Because, you know, a lot of people shy away from that or we, we get lazy and our geraniums die at the end of September and then we don't replace them until next April. Kind of a bit lazy and a bit sad to sure. do that, really. So... Yeah, so I've done some lovely winter pots. I've jazzed up a couple of winter pots with Prinsettia. Do you know what okay. that is? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So this is your kind of more hardy Poinsettia, which yep. will grow outside in yep. cooler temperatures as well. So yeah, so I've got all sorts of stuff. Like it's funny because a lot of my containers are down um, out the front of the house by the letterbox, and and a lot of that stuff is kind of like leftover plants we've used on TV shows, etc. So they're always really full and buxom. Yes. And kind of not like containers where you've got one plant here, one plant here, yes. one plant here. <laughs> and, I, and I think like my neighbour said, the postman had commented because there's like some chilli plants in them or something. Right. And they're like, can you believe they've got chilli plants? It's like, God, just think outside the box with what's in your pots, you know. Yeah. It's like, you can put anything in it, right? It can be by such small things. It's like... Yeah. I love that. <laughs> anyway, that was that. <laughs> well, no, I love it. It's great. And maybe, so maybe that is something that we can all take away from today about December is um, look for patches of bare space. So if it's outside yeah, a window, like outside my kitchen window is, uh, I put a herb garden and at the back of the herb garden, um, a big bird feeding station. So that whenever I'm washing up, or I look out the first thing I see. Yeah. And actually in the middle of the herb garden, my lovely dog Zeus, I had to have put down this year, my wingman. And so I had him cremated. I bought this beautiful big terracotta pot. It was hideously expensive. Um, I couldn't afford it, but he was my super, super best buddy. And I bought a big, beautiful weeping pear tree. So um, I interned him into the soil of the um, uh, pear tree and then planted some uh, Uh apple chamomile on top. So there's constant green there. So I look out onto that every morning. And just beyond that is this big bird feeding station. So... Um, for that aspect of my house, of my view, there's something always there, you know, the olive trees are there and, and whatever. But if you've got, like you say, like right outside a front door, so you're coming and going, mm. look at those spaces that perhaps a little bit dull and think, okay, what could I put there? And and it could be, as you quite rightly say, anything, like anything that is yeah. colourful, that's okay. going to be okay in the cold, it yeah. can go there. Cyclamen are one of my favourites this time of the year. I just get annoyed yeah. with animal plants. I've got a real I'm empty... a bit nervous about whether it gets too cold for them or not. And they tend to be, 
they tend to be a bit div diva for me because they don't like being watered from above. And when you've got them in a container, they often, yeah, so you need to choose one that's not not too sensitive. But yeah, they definitely work. So like what, if you if an the outside is a good one. Actually. The what, sorry? Which one? Miracle series is one of the hardiest ones out there. So. Okay. Um, if you were to perhaps add in some grit or something that was a bit more free draining into the compost in the pot so that it, so it wasn't sat in the wet. Yeah, would I think that, that help? would help. Or ideally with cyclamen, even as a house plant, if you can water them from below, sure. that is ultimately better. And they don't like kind of sharp changes of temperature. So make sure you've got that one. It really surprises me because don't you see cyclamen yeah. as like a spring bulb as well, right? When it's. Uh, kind of. You've got um, in the autumn. I think it's hedrofolium in the autumn, neapolitanum in the spring. I think maybe that way around. But there's many, many different types. And these sure. are the more kind of hardy woodland ones that grow in the ground. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, there's definitely going to be ones to use. Obviously, think about heathers as well. Heathers are really, really Good great. Cool. Yes. Yeah. And um, great for the bees as well. Oh, definitely. And um, oh, maybe not this one, but Garden Girls is a variety from Germany that always stays in bud. Obviously not good for the pollinators, but it means that it kind of has these Christmas baubles on. Yeah, cute. Around, which is good for colour. That's nice. Um, but of course, yeah, you've got sick, um, no, Sickleman, you've said, Heathers, Senecio Angel Wings is a really cool plant. We've I've never heard of that. Let's talk more about that. That's a cool one to use in your winter containers. Or even some of the more obvious things like Orcuba, Euonymus, they can be a bit trashy. But if you pair them up with the right plants, they can look really quite, quite swish. <laughs> swish. <laughs> and who doesn't love a swish pot for Christmas? Um, now, I know you write about some of these things. So do you want to do a little shameless plug and tell us where people can find out more about you? If they want to know more about rude stuff or if they've been intrigued by your impressive Latin prowess and uh, they want to find out what they can pair to make their Christmas pots look a bit swish. Where can we go? Um, I guess the best vehicle to go to is my website, which is mrplantgeek.com. And that will then take you to all the different social media links or the, the brands like Rude Botany, Weird and Wacky Plants, um, Shop as well. Uh, on the website, we obviously try and have a range of different content and articles and always looking at things from different angles. So, you know, rather than what to do in the garden this month I'll, I'll put up what not to do in the garden this month you yeah, know kind of yeah. always just wanting to be that little bit different with stuff and you know and get the attention of people that are not engaging with plants already you yeah. know people that don't watch gardens well <laughs> yeah okay like it like it yeah. so listen my final question for today just as we as we hand off is that um i think there are um i was talking to somebody recently who's uh um displaced let's say mm -hmm. and he has quite a fractured family um and we were discussing the idea that actually there are people in your life who stay and you know who will stay forever who mm -hmm. you identify as your family they might not be your actual family but you identify with them through whatever reason either decisions you've made or or perhaps it's um you know announcements you've made in your life or changes to your own personal circumstance where some people have left or it's not settled or been okay with other people so mm -hmm. they've decided you know what the decision you've made isn't for me I don't want to be your friend anymore I don't want to know you or they've been disowned or whatever and we were talking about this concept that the, these you choose you have the opportunity to choose people in your life who 
mean a lot to you because you know they'll be with you no matter what. They love you for who you are. Do you have any favourite plants, Michael, that you identify as family? Sort of like real plants that you think no matter what, there's just something about them that you love and will always be your go-to or will always be something that you, you come back to? Hmm, I don't know, really. I've always, when someone asked me what my favourite flower is, I usually would kind of cheer up iris. Um, and I think that's because, you know, my grandma used to grow irises, many, many different colours, and I kind of learnt a lot of the culture of those. Nice. Um, and I've got a, a stone upstairs that is kind of like a, made into a paperweight that I painted an iris on when I was a kid. Aww. So I kind of say, yeah, predominantly kind of like iris. And outside of that, I'm quite broad with my plant interests, really, because, of course, you know, with my career, I've always wanted to think of things that are different, unusual. Um, yeah, any of those close to my heart. I mean, there's certain plant families that fascinate me, and I'm always fascinated by a plant family that is really broad, really interesting, really un unexpected as well. So even very normal day-to-day -day plants like petunias, you know, there's some really yeah. cool unique species within those you know so yeah i'd say yeah plants as a whole but iris maybe is that that one that yeah just kind of sticks to me a little bit more i'd say and iris in itself is so varied you know so many different types you know tall short you know rhizome bulb all all types you could imagine really and potentially all colors in the rainbow as well nice and who doesn't love a rainbow Ooh. It's been it's been lovely chatting to you. Thanks for your time. You, you, it's lovely that there's been, I think, a little bit of an extra dimension to you that I've discovered today that I didn't know about. I had no idea you were quite so readily knowledgeable about so many plants, which I suppose is well rehearsed, given, you know, <laughs> you being able to do it on telly. I don't mean that in a patronising way. I mean, that just... You know, but you, of thought people... I didn't, you thought I didn't know how. <laughs> 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 no, you know, when I, often when you speak to people about a specialist subject, they, they have to think about it or they, but but it's so readily just like trips off all of these different plants so, that you know. You've got to remember, you know, years of live TV. Like yeah. TV, I'm used to kind of talking on my feet. So, sure. and sometimes, and I always remember um, a colleague I used to work with, like he used to do a lot of the kind of Q&As, like horticultural Q&As, which yes. I I really hate those because they're always kind of like almost like tricky with stuff, blah, blah, blah. And you can actually answer, but not answer sometimes. Or yeah. you can answer, um, you can answer one paragraph that's almost like giving you the thinking time as well. Sure, so it's kind sure. of all those little tricks that you perhaps as a listener, you wouldn't notice, but you're kind of happily manipulating your audience. <laughs> so that, uh, I don't feel manipulated today. I feel informed <laughs> and refreshed, ready for Christmas. So thanks for that. <laughs> uh, what are you doing for Christmas this year? Anything nice? Do you know what? I don't know because um, my partner, like we, I would go to his family's like every couple of years, really, because like in Poland, his parents don't speak English. So I feel like it's oh. a lot of, it's a lot of pressure to then yeah. have a lot of English language in the house and not, sure, sure. you know, and there's quite a, nice family Christmas so don't tend to go every year so to be honest I really for me Christmas has always just got in the way because I'm always excited to get on with the new year sure and so I'd be really happy to just do my own thing on Christmas day but then it's everyone always then asks well what did you do what did you and it's like yes and then if you're like oh I just cleaned my windows they're kind <laughs> of like then they'll feel sorry for you and it's just really strange because it's like well it doesn't matter at all 
know, I suppose they wouldn't feel sorry for you if they needed a, a really good clean. So um, oh, I'll spare that thought. On Christmas Day, I shall think. I wonder if he's cleaned those windows yet. I might drop you a text. You can, you can, you can take a photo of of your window clean yours. <laughs> yeah, I might. Yeah. <laughs> we can have a competition. Oh dear. It's been lovely chatting with you, Michael Perry. Yeah, you too. Thank you very much. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm going to go and have a lay down in a dark room now and wash my mouth out with soap. I suggest you do the same. Say goodbye. See you later. Bye bye. <laughs>